Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, jeweler, founder, and owner of Adam Foster Fine Jewelry, Adam Foster. Hey, what you drinking? Well, you know, I, I, I'm going to ask for your help with something. Then I'm not going to call this a collaboration. I'm going to ask with your for your help with something because uh, I I know how challenging it is to create a business and to mature that business. I I, I had a retail business for about six years, and I think I told you the story uh, when I was leaving corporate America. Uh, I, I thought that, you know, just as everyone said, you should, the, the way you make money is to go out and, and, and start a business. And I decided, well, I'll, I'll start a franchise business, right? That, that's supposed to be really, really easy. And the brochure says you put this amount of money in and you get this amount of money out. And all you got to do is just do what we say and everybody makes money. And uh, it's, a, it's a way of passive, of making passive income. And boy, I'll tell you, there is nothing more challenging than trying to start a business and come to find out in my case, uh, it wasn't as easy as the brochure described, surprise, surprise. And there was no such thing as passive income. As a matter of fact, it wasn't very passive at all. And there wasn't a whole lot of income. And so, you know, after six years, I just finally decided this business thing, uh, the way I was doing it, was not going to work for me. And so I launched this coaching business, which is more in line with my background. But the idea of taking a business, launching the business, maturing the business, and then sustaining the business, you've you've been around for 20 years, man. You've gone through those phases. How do you go through those phases of launching a business, (laughs) maturing the business, and then sustaining the business uh, when you don't have a fancy brochure telling you that it's easy. I mean, I don't know if I knew it was all about the brochure, I would have written the <laughs> brochure years ago now. Uh, I mean, it's been challenging and I still think 20 years later, it's not like I sit back and it's not still extremely challenging. Uh, I'm one part of this business now. It's bigger than just me. Um, and I think that's what's helped me grow it the most is mm-hmm having help. I have a partner that like helps take things that aren't my specialty off my shoulders, um, which has helped grow the business and make it bigger than it is. Because ultimately when it comes down to it, I mean, you can learn things, but I can't just go back to school and become, have a business background, which would be awesome to be able to do. Um, My background is art, is designing, is manufacturing, is coming up with ideas and I can learn payroll and PTO and all those other fun things, but I don't look at that as like the nuance of running a business. I can see where that efficiency is gained and you can grow from there. It's not an easy thing. I, some people ask if you would, if you know what you know now, would you go back 20 years and do it again? I I would question if I, I would. <laughs> but I think the biggest thing after 20 years, my wife and I talk about this a lot because she's been around she's been along with me for this ride is you just have to be willing to go with the flow. I mean, this is, 
I live and breathe jewelry. I mean, she will tell you, I, I never stop thinking about sourcing minerals, how to manufacture something. Never. I mean, even on my days off, I'm in my office, like drafting, trying to figure out machinery and things like that, because I enjoy the the problem. But I think you have to realize that it's, you have to enjoy it, but ultimately you have to be able to say, this is not my hobby. This is a business. I have to be able to I can't only do the things I want to do. I have to do all of these things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I have to make things that maybe I don't think are important, but they're important to someone, which means that becomes important to me. So I have to take that same time and attention to it. Now, granted, I could maybe say, I, we need to evolve away from this because I can't make widgets for the rest of my life. But in the time frame, maybe the widget making got you through 2020 or whatever it was. So, and I think that speaks to being being in business for a long time. You have to kind of roll with the punches and maybe do some things that you might not think you would ever had to do to, it's not, it's a means to the end. You've got to get, you've got to keep growing. I mean, you look at these big successful corporations and businesses that have storied past. If you really get down to the nitty gritty, those companies were not founded by the the original idea that we see now these heritage brands they were not they're not what they are today i mean tiffany was a haberdashery they sold silverware and and jewelry and furniture and chandeliers and then ultimately they kept bringing it down and evolving the business and getting investors and finding their niche that they were going to work in i mean there are jewelry companies that started as this is what they make, but they've evolved it and they've become bigger. And so I think when you really look at a business, you have to look at it's a a growing thing that you need to tend and hopefully go in the direction you'd like to end up in. You know, one of the things you talked about and you, 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 you talked about something that I see people go one way or the other on this continuum because there's all, always these stories about uh, someone who makes a great pound cake and they think they want to open up a bakery because they make a great pound cake. And just because you can make a great pound cake doesn't mean that you're prepared to do all the things that you need to do in order to actually run a business. Uh, so that's one end of the continuum. And then, then there's the other con- end of the continuum where people start thinking, well, what's a way for me to make money? And they go out and they try to find the hottest new thing that the people are buying and they try to see if they can get into that business because they can make money. And I think it was Jim Collins that said, how to make money is not a bad question. It's just a bad first question, right? It's just, it's just a bad first question. So, and you know, again, I, I don't know that this is on a continuum, but let's pretend that it is. You seem to be kind of in the middle where, you you started with something that you had an interest in, but you seem to also have a mind for the business element of it. You didn't just say, "Hey, I, I bake a mean, uh, you know, I bake a mean pound cake. Let's go make this happen." <laughs> so how how did you how did you find your space in between those two those two ends? I think a lot of it was growing up. I mean, my came from a blue collar you know family where they were not in the luxury good market. <laughs> they just worked jobs and they were good at them and they had good work ethic, but ultimately that's what it was. And you, I grew up with that. So I knew ultimately like, I got to make money. I, I have to do something. 
I can't say that I knew how to run a business other than if you spend a dollar, you have to charge more than $1 when you sell that thing. Uh, but other than that, that's kind of all I knew. And and I'm still learning all of those things. But ultimately, what it comes down to is when I was in college, I was good at making and coming up with things. But I was not of the mindset of most of the people that I went to school with, which was theory and folk completely focused on you know, the thing they're making that to produce, because ultimately you can produce you whatever you want, but if it's in a vacuum, like who cares? Yeah. I mean, if you're only going to see it, like, come on, like I, that doesn't, that's not me. It's not my personality. I have to bring it to the market. I need to do something with it. So, I mean, everything I do, even like quote unquote, a hobby, I think of it that way. I think of like, oh, if I make this, I could do this. And then maybe I could make something out of it. And a lot of times it's just for fun and to kill time, but I still think of it as I got to bring something to it. If not, you're just making junk that like exists in this world. So the jewelry was what I was interested in. The business I think is interesting. I think it's interesting to see how people buy things, how they consume things and what they're buying. And and then you just try to apply both of those together. Now, there's a lot of nuance of marketing and perceived value and things like that, that you get into a lot of different businesses, whether companies want to admit to it or not. I mean, you know, healthcare to cars to everything. Uh, there's something not tangible that drives someone to buy or want that thing. Mm. So you have to, you have to plug into that. And that's, uh, that's complicated mm. until it catches fire until there's enough people that want it and they just, they talk about it. And I mean, that's always a dream when it catches fire, finally, where people are like, I know the story and it's really interesting. And I, I've gotten over who is this person. It's just easy to say, Oh, I like that. I'll, I'll take one. I mean, that's what we all, I mean, hopefully one day that will happen. Yeah. I I love it. I love it. And you know, another thing that you said a couple of times that I I really want to um, weigh in on is you said we a couple of times, and that's another stumbling point that I see a lot of entrepreneurs make in that they, let's use your example, they, they may be good at making jewelry. And they're so good at making jewelry because they just really love making jewelry. And they, they, they're reluctant to let go and bring other people in to help because they're really, really good at making jewelry. And they're passionate about it. You know, and there's, there's a place for that it's just hard to scale. So how do you, how do you balance your craft and this, this thing that you're passionate about? Because like you said, even in your off, you know, on your off days, you're thinking about jewelry, you're thinking about gems, you're thinking about machinery, you're thinking about elements. How do you balance that passion with letting go of pieces so that you can scale? I mean, I think it was, it was pretty difficult. I think Um, one thing that just happened was you get so overwhelmed. I mean, you either rise to the challenge and figure this out, or even if you're successful, people are buying things and you're making great things, you will just get rolled over. Something will catch you and you will get rolled over. Now you might be say, wow, I'm not going to do that again. I got to get back on my feet and find people to help me with these things because I can't do that. But ultimately, like you're kind of standing in your own way at that point. I enjoy having other people around. I'm I work pretty much by myself. Like I have an office, but there are other people in the office working. 
And I, I like the solitude part of it. I work alone a lot because I can kind of focus on what I'm thinking. But I really enjoy the idea that all of these other people are working on their problems, and which is my problem. And we share these common things that we're making and that our, our goal is to make the collector happy and make a new thing, like come up with a new thing and then move on to the next. And I think that at first was really scary trying to give up. I mean, my name is on the door, which looking back on it, I don't know if I would have put my name on the door because <laughs> everybody knows it's you. But ultimately, it's my name on the door. And I want I know there, there's a lot of people involved in what I'm doing every day. And uh, their skin is just as thick, you know, just important than my skin that's in the game. And I think that's great. My business partner, she's awesome. My jewelers in the back, they really go to bat and they, I know they work hard. And then I think it shows. And I think when you meet anyone from the company, you're like, wow, these guys are really interesting. Like they, they're all drinking the Kool-Aid, man. This is really cool. I want to see what's going on there. And I think that's important. I, I don't look at it as giving up ownership because it's not it's getting bigger and you there's a point where you one person can't do it anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think with the dot com and um the tech world that's changed a little bit because you write one line of code and it could revolutionize everything and that was one person, but a lot of times people don't realize that there's a whole lot of people that have to bring that to the public and to get anyone to even understand what that is. Uh and sometimes that is more of a challenge than the actual thing. You know, I, I would love to get your perspective on how important is mindset in your industry. In, in, in my work, that's the number one thing that I work with my, uh, my executive clients on is helping them have the mindset to do the amazing things that they're trying to do because you can never have success that is beyond your self-image. It's just not, it's just not possible for you to have success beyond your self image. And so I'm curious if you've noticed where your, maybe your team, or maybe you at times you've had bad, you've had a bad day or something didn't, didn't go right. How do you bounce back so that a mishap yesterday doesn't affect what you've got to do tomorrow? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, it's it's pretty challenging to do. I think with the team, you kind of have you can see it on their faces sometimes, and you have to say, you know what, we'll get at it tomorrow. Like you just kind of say, you know, it's not that big of a deal, even if it is a significant problem. We'll we'll approach this a different way, and maybe maybe it's a big deal to me, but it's not a big deal to my business partner. She's like, we got this. I will I'll talk to some people. We, We can figure this out. And I think that's what's great about having a team is that. But I think coming from like me, if I I have a setback or whatever, it does take it out of you. I think one, you got to acknowledge like, man, I just need a break. I, this really took the wind out of me. Uh, But then ultimately like going, growing up, um, going through college and we would do these critiques in, in art school and they were brutal. I mean, you felt like half of a person after you were done with one of these because you pour everything into it. And, you know, it, it's like somebody reviewing your podcast and you're like, man, that was brutal. I can't read this. Um, it, it thickens your skin a little bit. And I think the key to it is 
I look at the things that I make as part of me, but ultimately they're not, they're not me. They're things that I made. And when someone is critical of that, you have to draw a line. Are they critical of the object? Are they critical of the maker? And if they're critical of the object, that's an improvement that I need to make because they might say, I don't like this. It's too clunky or it's too heavy or whatever. And you're, you're thinking it's not, it's perfect, but obviously it's not because I am not the end collector of that object. That person is. And if they think it's too clunky, then I need to take their feedback and figure out how to fix it. And I think that applies to anything. It's just being brutally honest with whatever you're doing in work and being able to say, look at this with clean set of eyes. You've never seen anything. You've never seen jewelry. You've never seen a showroom. You've never seen anything. Is it amazing to you? And I don't know. I want everyone to walk into my showroom and go, this is incredible. And I want to walk into my showroom. I go there seven days a week. I want to walk in there every time and go, this is incredible. And you've got to make sure you don't drink your own Kool-Aid. Because if you do, you walk in in 20 years and everyone you're like, where's the business going? And I don't understand what happened. Well, you stopped being critical of what you make and the environment you make it in. The customer experience is a big one. Everyone says, I have the best customer experience and it's so unique. And no, it's not unique. You just gave them a bottle of water and it's the same dry thing you've been doing since 1980. Like really make it unique. Like do something interesting um, and make someone feel important and and take the feedback and be willing to say, I got it. Take notes and then be critical of what they told you because obviously they're bothered by it. And then it's hard to draw the line and not come home with it. I mean, or you go through the whole bottle of Lafroy. <laughs> Well, hey, man, just just a small plug for the experience that I had when I walked into your showroom, because there was a point where I couldn't tell that I was in a jewelry store. I'm going to be totally, totally honest. When Stephen invited me over, he didn't say, come to this jewelry store. He said, here's the address. You know, we've got an event. Come check us out. And I walked in and I didn't by the look of things, I couldn't tell if this was a jewelry store or if this was someone's man cave or if this was a bar or if this was a like a like a just a kind of a, a, a speakeasy type place. Because there was a there was a, a very warm feeling when I walked into the place. And then, like I said, with you, I, I it took me a good 30 minutes to realize, hey, wait a second, you're the dude with the name on the door. Because we just had a conversation. Yeah, and I think that's a big deal because I think one one aspect of what you just said was most people think when you're selling a luxury object, especially jewelry, that the people that are there or the name on the door, or whatever, have to be kind of standoffish. You might have to be maybe you like question what you're wearing when you walk into the space. You can be nice and sell something nice. You can be welcoming and be part of what you're buying and still think, oh, that's great. I mean, we make we make things in all budgets. Every single budget you buy jewelry from, we can help you with. But also, what is different? How do you make it better? How do you make the experience better? I mean, a jewelry store is like walking into Chipotle and ordering a burrito. 
You walk in, you walk to the glass counter, they look at you like you have no idea what you're talking about. You pick the things you want, they show you it, they make it, or they put it together. And then you go to the register and they're like, oh, you owe us $3,000 for this engagement ring. And then they package it up and then you walk out and it's this luxury experience. That makes no sense to me. I mean, why can't you come into a space and the first question is not what can I help you with, but what would you like to drink? Do you want to hang out? Uh, can I answer any questions? What are you looking for? And then we go from there. I mean, sometimes they walk in, they want they want to repair, which is great. But ultimately, like the space is yours. Feel comfortable in it. And then let's talk about why you're there and how we can help you. And maybe we can't help you. And that's cool with me. I'll I'll call some friends and see if they have the connection for you. And then go from there and then feel like we care because we really do. We want to call you back. We want to email you back. You don't want to come to the office because you can't get out of your office. All right, I'll come to your office. Let's hang out there. Wow. And th- you know, that is just great business advice, right? And it's it's not specific to just the jewelry industry, but uh, I just love the way you're thinking about what is the experience that I want my collectors to have or that I want my customer to have? What is the experience that I want them to have? And what can I put in place to help ensure that experience? Now, l- let's talk about jazz just a little bit, because I mean, I, I, got, I got your collection of, of music that you listen to. And I'm going to tell you, I was kind of halfway expecting. You were Nikki, with, you, I was leery when I said that to you. I was, I was, I was expecting the Nicki Minaj, okay? I, I was actually kind of expecting the Nicki Minaj. And then the electronic hip hop, Okay, that's not a far that's not a far reach. But then John Baptiste, Nina Simone, and Bill Withers, I'm gonna tell you, I was not expecting Bill Withers. That's my favorite. Bill Withers is my jam, man. Really? Harlem at the end of the long day. Ah uh, no. How did you get such a diverse, almost eclectic taste in music? So my dad listened to a lot of the kind of classic stuff. And I grew up, you kind of appreciate with your parent, like what you hear your parents, you know. Uh, and I still have a fondness for that. But I I listen to music or things like in my headphones all day, because a lot of times I have them on all the time. And my go-to is is rap and, and electronic, because I like that there's a rhythm to it. And there's this sort of groove that you can get in and you can just work. And a lot of times at work, you know, when I'm sitting and making or designing, you just, it just is on, it's playing over and over and over. And next thing you know, you're like, I've been sitting here for five hours, you know, and it just goes, but there's something about those Nina Simone and where there's that feeling that, I mean, even, you know, Dolly Parton, Jolene is like my recent one that I've been like on repeat. It's this like thing that you're like, this, this is incredible. This sound is incredible. And Bill Withers, it's this great story. I mean, you listen to it and there's awesome breaks in it. It's it's great. I over in 2020, I I was all everything was like on my phone. It was all digital. And then I got a a turntable. And that was like the changing thing for me because I go to the record store quite often and I buy records. And I my thing is I buy records of whatever I want in any genre I want. And my, I have two small kids and they grow up listening to all this stuff from ASAP Rocky to Nina Simone to the Fuji's original um, album. Like, I just think it's interesting. 
Uh, and there's some stuff that I just play all the time to the point. My wife is like, come on, you got to pick, you got all those records and you're picking this one again. <laughs> I I'm a, a creature of habit. I love the same thing. I could listen to the same thing, but Nikki and Minaj monster first thing in the morning, seven <laughs> o'clock, you're trying to get, get ready for work. You got your coffee. You're in the car. That'll get you going. There's nothing. There's nothing yeah. It gets you going. I mean, it's so guttural. <laughs> Wow, I, I I loved the I love the diversity that you're bringing from all these different concepts and genre, and the fact that you're doing it. And and like I said earlier, so many people talk about the customer experience, but I, I have I have never experienced like I experienced at your place, where people have put tangible effort into creating a unique experience. And it, you know, I, I'm I'm actually relieved to know that you like the fact that I can't put my finger on what it is about your place. Every industry, whether I'm getting going in for a routine eye exam to you know just the, even the most mundane thing, like if if it was that good of getting gasoline at one station over the other, you go back there. It's Love it's it. the easiest thing you could do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've heard a lot of jazz going back to that jazz metaphor uh, metaphor. I, I, I've heard a lot of jazz in your story where you just stepped in and say, let's figure out this next step. We don't know all the answers, but let's figure it out. H- how important is that jazz metaphor in the work that you do? Because I, I'm going to tell you, when, when you told me the value of the material that you work with and just the thought of a mistake could be thousands of dollars. Uh, I, I don't know that. I, I think I'd want to have some sheet music in front of me. <laughs> there's some safety that you got to put in place there. Um, and there's a lot of things that you do, but I think that's the reason why when you get certain material, um, it's the same damn jam every time because they know like we got to put this, together like this because it's what people expect and it's what is done. I mean, I, we'll, we do that. And, but I think that you can be a little bit more creative. I mean, we make jewelry, but would people say that our jewelry looks the exact same as everybody else's? I hope not, but I hope that isn't a good, is a good thing. I, I think that people will look at things and say, well, they're really creative. Even if I got to do a simple, simple thing, they really think about what they're doing. They're not just going through the process of doing it. And I mean, why don't you want to be creative throughout the day? I mean, sometimes it's nerve wracking, especially when we have a meeting and there's an objective we're trying to get to and we have to design or I have to design 30 new things. This is going to be this new line. I There are times that it gets it's hard to be creative on a schedule. So some days that we are very behind schedule with the creative end of things. And then there is one day where you're just like, man, we, we knocked it out of the park. We have, we just picked up nine of the designs that we were behind on and we have nine more. So there's some breathing room in there. And I think that's the exciting part when you get something and there's nothing more exciting when someone that doesn't know what we do walks in or sees something at one of our stores and they are just looking at this like, this is incredible. I don't even know how this is put together. That feels good. They want to take it home with them. I think that's awesome. I love when we're um, just out 
you know, with my wife for dinner and I see one of our pieces like out in the wild where it's on someone else and maybe they don't even know me. I don't go up to them. I don't bother them. I just think it's super cool that someone cares and they want it. I mean, that's, I mean, that's pretty great. I love it. I love it, man. And I love your approach. I love your story. Uh, and I love that you agreed to be on Whiskey Jazz and Leadership. Man, before we before we raise our glass for, for this side of the Velvet Rope, because I got to bring you into the VIP room, man. Uh, wh- wh- how can people get a hold of you if if they want to check this out for themselves, right? They, Galen can't be telling the full truth with all the gushing that he's doing. So what if they want to see for themselves? How can they get a hold of you? Um, we're on Instagram. It's Adam Foster Jewelry on Instagram. Um, our website is fosterjewelry.com, which is should be done and up and launched. Um, and come if you're in the St. Louis area or you're coming to St. Louis, come by. You can check us out. We're on we're in Frontenac, just outside of Ladue in St. Louis. Um, and all the information there. We love to have you come come by. Um, you can always call us the website, all the contact information's there. Um, pretty easy to talk to. So even if it you don't think it's a project, we'd love to help you. I, I it's really great to do that. You need to just drop by to to ask him questions about this this podcast episode, man, because he's dropped some gems here, and this guy absolutely knows what he's doing. So, Adam, raise your raise your glass. It's empty, but I'll raise it. <laughs> well, mine is going to be empty here pretty soon, and uh, let's see you on the other side of the velvet rope, man. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.